0: America, Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio, live from Radio Row in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Welcome in. Dan Byers here. Jason Stewart's here. We didn't let John Ramos come here because, you know, there might be a Ram here and it's just a (laughs) love affair. We take him to You know, the preseason practice, that's uncomfortable enough. The great Elijah is here, of course. You see all of our digital stuff. Welcome in. I I say this every year. It's true every year. I love being at Radio Row. We'll have an amazing list of guests. But Monday at Radio Row is oftentimes like if if you're the first one to a party. Right. Your first one. If you're one of those people that gets to a party it's a 730 on the invite, you get there at 730 and you arrive and the wife's still getting ready. and The husband's like, I don't know, man, you want to help us set up. I don't Right? I don't want to do you want to help us kind of set up. And you feel like wait, and you're checking your phone like, did I get the invite time? Where is everybody? You start to think about bailing early, only to eventually people start trickling in. That is Monday at Radio Row. We experience it every single year. We are here for the duration. Um, a lot to get to. Okay, We do have some basketball with the NBA trade deadline upcoming on Thursday. Uh, you do have you know, some blow-ups on the sidelines. You have the issues in Brooklyn. You have the issues in Philadelphia. Okay, so we got some hoop, actually, to talk about. None to talk about baseball. Nobody cares. They're not playing. They're not agreeing. Maybe they have a lockout and a strike or whatever to stop the season. Maybe they do not. Okay, college football, it feels like Auburn's trying to figure out a way to get rid of Brian Harson, but again... This is, this is cyclical with Auburn, right? It's Auburn's good, then they're bad, then they disintegrate, then they get a new guy, then they're good, then they're bad, they disintegrate, right? Meanwhile, well, Alabama's good every year. But the NFL, now that's interesting. Obviously, we have the game on Sunday where whoever wins, we're going to make him out to be far greater than he actually is, maybe. I don't know. Like I was driving in, I was listening to Cowherd tell me, basically, Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers, same guy. I don't know. I watched football a long time. Don't think that's the case. And while he played exceedingly well in the playoffs, I do remember several games in the regular season that he personally lost the game for his team. Kind of hold that against the quarterback, whereas Aaron Rodgers did not. Again, we can get into those discussions. But probably the most interesting thing continues to be the hiring after the firing of coaches in the NFL. And so uh, now we have one minority candidate who got a job over the weekend
2: like we're like we're, we're what 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 jason jason stewart what what i i had not known that that candidate was multiracial until adam schefter felt the need to point it out when he broke the news i i find that peculiar but uh, what do you find, why do you find peculiar that he breaks the news of a major uh, sports Head coaching hire, and he felt the need to point out that he identifies as as a certain race. I felt that to be peculiar. Rapaport did as well.
0: Yeah, but uh, you know, again, part of it is if you're following on social media, Mike McDonald, who's the now the the, Mike Mike McDaniel. Sorry, Mike McDonald. Mike McDaniel, who's the. (laughs) (laughs) Mike McDaniel, who's on his on a plane to become be announced as the Dolphins' new head coach, he doesn't look like a minority candidate, right? I mean, that's uh, like we're like we can sit here and beat around the bush and say all kinds of different ways of the same thing. So most anybody who is paying attention to the NFL and Brian Flores is suing the NFL and saying they're racist in their hiring is like, see, like no, 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 hold on, he's actually I don't, it doesn't, shouldn't actually matter, but it does matter. I mean, it's like, it's like we said. It, honestly, I know what people think. I, I understand that when Roger Goodell comes out just days after the NFL put out a statement saying the lawsuit has, from Brian Flores has no merit, and then he basically says, hey, fellas, we got to do better. You're like, wait, those are contradictory memos. I don't think they are because I think what Roger Goodell is saying is what most people think, which is like, look, the hiring practices, they are what they are. And you're allowed to hire whoever you want to hire, but anyone can look at it and go, that, that doesn't look great. It just doesn't, you know? The, the, the problem with the argument is you'll get people who will say, well, the Giants. Well, didn't the Giants have Jerry Reese as their GM for a long time? Like, wasn't he a, like, over a decade, like they're their GM? So y- you're only racist now in your hiring practices, but not then? That one is really confusing. And then, of course, Lovey Smith looks like he's going to get the job in Houston, where maybe they wanted to hire Josh McCown as their head coach. I told you Brian Flores was toxic. No chance you get a job when you're suing the NFL, and I believe that's the case. I believe he'll be kind of locked out of the NFL, if you will, which is what happens. In, all of this stuff is what happens in business. Right? What happens in, And by the way, the other thing that happens in business is businesses copy one another, and they try and top one another. That's why Mike McDaniel, not Mike, Mike McDonald, <laughs> Oh, here you go. Shine a me. That's why he has the job, because he's one of the young, smart, brainiac dudes who's really well-respected, who's been with Kyle Shanahan going back to the Atlanta days, the Washington days, and has respect throughout the league. But look at the two coaches who are coaching on Sunday. <laughs> They're, again, all kind of apples of similar trees. And I don't believe it has anything to do with race. I think it just has to do with the fact that The the NFL is evolving into a, you have on one side what Dan Campbell's trying to do in Detroit, which is, you know, he's the energy guy and then hire all former players as coaches. And a good portion of the rest of the league is trying to hire the smartest dudes possible, the youngest dudes possible, regardless of race or even background, or even if they played football. It's more, hey, we're trying to be smarter because... Honestly, I feel like players are smarter. And they want to be challenged by people who have done the work. And I think that's the case with general managers. Right? Like, again, you see the, the Bears hired a former player, Ryan Poles. But, again, seen as a really smart guy, a BC guy. And then, uh, uh, Quesi uh, Adolfo Mensu is hired. Again, like Brainiac dude who's from der- the derivative market. He's got an Ivy League degree. That's the trend in the league is young, smart, analytics, and finding a way to communicate with players on a level that's above the, hey, I played and listened to me sort of thing. And then you have Lovey Smith with the Houston Texans, and the Texans feel like they're a mess. And it's not because Lovey wasn't a Super, Bowl champion, a Super Bowl coach. He took the Bears to Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as their quarterback, by the way. Remember that? That was a really weird Super Bowl when he had to answer questions about who his starting quarterback would be going into the Super Bowl. Rex Grossman's our quarterback. Rex Grossman's our quarterback. That was, by the way, the year that Denny Green uh, 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 authored the old they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook, right? You want to crown them? Crown mm-hmm. them? They were who we thought they were, and they weren't let off the hook by the Indianapolis Colts, right? The Colts beat them in the Super Bowl. That, yes. was, that was Peyton Man. Yes. So the, the point is that... I think we have all of these stories, but to me, I actually it makes sense what Roger Goodell is saying, and it does make sense that Lovey Smith was hired with the Texans. He has equity with the team, he ran their defense, and there wasn't any way in hell that that you can be a Houston Texans organization when your owner has been accused of things and remember the Houston Texans they had a black channel manager for a long time. they did and then. People thought Rick Smith did a bad job. I actually thought he did a pretty good job. He lost his job, and then the coach had the power of the head coach and general manager, and that didn't work. That was Bill O'Brien, and kind of here we are. But I, I, I think that Roger Goodell kind of speaks for everybody sort of in the middle. Is like, look, the, the procedures, they are what they are, and the, the, the idea is getting different voices and faces in front of you in order to interview the problem with it is it just doesn't appear to be working well enough and we all got to do better because we all got to get to the point to where we don't look at a coach and go, well, he's a white. We don't look at Mike McDaniel getting a job and go like, well, is he white or is he black when he gets the job? Oh, he's white. Wait, no, he's black. You, that, we, shouldn't, we should be evolved past that. I do think we actually are. But the problem with it is the numbers just jump out at you. I don't think it has anything to do, by the way, with, well, there's 75% players in the NFL, and and there should be, like, it's a different field. It's a different field. Radio is the perfect example of it. Television is the perfect example of it in that, yes, for analyst roles, oftentimes you have to have played. And I do think that as a coach, it helps when you have played. Do you have to play in the NFL to be a coach in the NFL? The answer, I believe, is no. Does it help? Of course it does. But you also have to remember that most of these coaches, they p- played some sort of football, and even the Sean McVeigh or the uh, Brandon Staley playing small college football, and then they get none, and they immediately go to work as a coach. I believe that playing like Josh McCown did for 18 years, I think that actually qualifies you as a coach. But many people do not. They think you had to have coached in order to coach. Now we've got a lot to get to this week. I... I I I would like to champion, pat myself on the back. I thought Brian Flores, when he was initially fired, I think he would have gotten the Texans job. I believe it. Those are New England Patriot guys. They need a strong voice as a head coach. It helps him that he's won games. He brings credibility and he has a relationship with the front office. Those are all ex-Patriots. I don't mean ex-Patriots where there's Americans living overseas. I mean, they used to be with the Patriots organization, and that's how it works in all businesses, especially the NFL, where if you work with somebody, there's a comfort with somebody, and he has respect of guys in the locker room. I think he would have gotten the job. I think he cost himself the job with the lawsuit and with the follow-up interviews and many of the ac- accusations in the lawsuit that didn't actually have anything to do with racism. Had he simply talked about the the hiring practices and kept them along the racial bou- uh, racial discussion, I think he still would have had a shot and maybe gotten it had he pointed out the all the issues in Miami, whatever your perspective is, whether they really paid him to dump games or not, or how he was the narrative within that building. Had he simply, you know, filed a wrongful termination lawsuit, I think he would have been hired in Houston. But when you factor in that he's suing the entire league in a class action lawsuit calling out all the hiring practices of the league, and then he's airing dirty laundry saying, John Elway was hungover, and they tell me to dump games. And then he goes on the media blitz. He doesn't get a job that he probably should have gotten, and I think he would have been really good at. And and to the other people in the media who have picked up my quotes from last week where I said he should have been – what was the word that we used that he should have – um, there was a word that I used last week uh, where he, sh- he should have been, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blanking, J. Stu, on the word, in terms of how he should have reacted to when, when he was let go. What was the word I used? You don't remember? I'm Googling it. I'm
2: Googling our own word. show's
0: comments. But you're Elijah, right. do you remember you posted the thing? What did I say? <laughs> you definitely stirred it up. Yes. I remember that. You got a, yes. a huge, uh, you, you got a huge, some big Contrite. reaction. He should have shown contrition. OK, so let me explain how it actually works to guys like this is to there's a guy named Roland Martin. Is that his name? Right. Didn't he used to work at CNN? Now I think he does his own shop. Right. He's he's a he's a political commentator. Let me explain what I mean in terms of contrition. Uh, I come from a world of a, a, a family of coaches. Okay? And when coaches get fired, most of them are have contrition they start kind of go through the things they could have done better now in sports a lot of times they sit there and go like if this guy didn't get hurt at that ref then screw me if this kid would have showed up on campus or not flunked out or if this game would have gone one different way what I mean in terms of contrition is he may not have deserved to be fired there may have been he may have been right with all the things he pointed out about Chris Greer he's probably right that they shouldn't have drafted Tua a tug of Ioloa, right like if he said hey You know, at the end of the day, if if privately he said, you know, had we just drafted Justin Herbert, (laughs) I'd still be employed, you know? But when I say contrition, all you have to say is like, look, some of these, I probably could have handled what I said better. I could have handled this situation differently. I could have handled how I spoke to the owner differently. I could have handled how I worked with people. Because if you don't do that, Again, you're, you're going into that realm of repeating the same mistake over and over again, which is the definition of insanity, right? So when I say contrite, I'm not saying contrition for not getting jobs. I'm talking about what almost every coach I've ever seen, they go through, when they get fired, they're everybody's best friend. And, they're the, and they get back to being normal human beings because they're not head coach and people don't address them as coach and try and, you know, there's not a, a people circling around doing everything they can because their words matter. Now, when you're a coach, you're a powerful empire emperor of your little fiefdom. That's how it works. And a lot of times guys' egos get a little bit out of control. And a Brian Flores, what everyone that I know in sports is saying is, man, he was hard to work for, you know. A position coach would get there at 5.30 in the morning and he's waiting for him in his office to just line him out on all the things that his position coaching was, was going wrong. You know, going through three completely new staffs in three new years, especially in the offensive side of the ball. If you come out and go like, look, I probably could have, my first hire, I could have handled it differently. I could have let those guys do their thing. I could have been a little easier to work for. I could have listened more and talked less. Like all the different kind of cliche sayings, which you actually do have to do, it's your first head coaching job. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to rub people the wrong way, either for being too uh, bold or being too me- viewed as too meek. So when I say contrition, it's more for any mistake you've made. Because if you give, it's just like in humor. If you're slightly self-deprecating, your hardcore humor goes over way better. If you give us a little bit of something, hey, I could have done this differently. Hey, I could have done that differently. Instead, Brian Flores is still in the, I did nothing wrong. They're all idiots. And the reason I'm out of a job is the color of my skin. Right? When the problem with that is the guys who you wanted out, the guys who the owner sided with are also black. The GM, the assistant GM, the director, player, personnel, right? So it doesn't, the narrative and what you're creating, one doesn't fit with what's seen as a reality. But more than anything, when I say contrition, it's more, hey, I made some mistakes. I could have done things better. Next time, I'm going to be even better. Just like Belichick. Privately, will Bill Belichick say in Cleveland he did anything wrong? Probably not. But publicly, you got to give us something. Even if it's fake contrition, a little bit of contrition goes a long way. And I believe he would be a head coach today, but he's not speaking of not contrite russell westbrook not contrite Um, russell westbrook did not play dnpcd in an overtime game a win by the lakers against the knicks two nights ago what does it mean for russell westbrook now and into the future we'll get to that upcoming next but first. BetRiver Sportsbook wants to invite you to discover the complete sports betting experience. The foundation of that experience is a massive number of betting options on nearly every regulated sporting event around the world. Now, you add on top of that live streaming of sports every day, there's almost always a live match to watch on better Sportsbook right on your phone. BetRiver's features top-tier customer service, and they're ready to answer your questions anytime, day or night. Plus, with the unique Rush pace system, BetRivers Sportsbook can authorize most withdrawal requests instantly, and customer satisfaction is always their number one priority BetRivers will match your first deposit up to $250. Unlike some other sports books, Bet Rivers only requires a one time pay-through to turn bonuses into cash. Now you've got to experience the difference for yourself. Go to That's Bet-Rivers, BetRivers.com. That's Bet Rivers, B E T R I V E R S.com. You must be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, New York to play. Gambling problem, call 1 800
1: Gamble. Remember, that's Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Be sure to catch the live edition of The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart Radio app.
0: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Solomon Wilcox in a moment, the former Bengal. We'll talk about the Bengals. Um, it's interesting. We all try and find ways in which we compare players of different eras. Anyone else feel like Russell Westbrook is working the way of Allen Iverson? And by Allen Iverson, um, I, I do mean how it ended with Allen Iverson. I don't know any MVP to come off the bench. Remember that? Right? And then, of course, Allen Iverson late in his career went to the Memphis Grizzlies and people were like, he'll be good with the Grizzlies. Like, yeah, that, that, di- that didn't work. Because you do get to a point where you're like, how do you play him? You know, and the Lakers waved the white flag after he was one of ten from the floor. They're playing the Knicks. They put him back in with five and a half to go, even though they were playing better without him. The Knicks finished the game on a 16 to 10 run, forcing overtime, and they decide we're not playing him in overtime. Here's his teammate, Anthony Davis.
3: One thing you can't do is put too much pressure on yourself. You got to go out there and be freely, play freely. You know, some shots tonight that he, he usually take in rhythm, and he kind of passed up or hesitated. Me and LB on just telling him, like, we don't care if you miss everyone, just play. You know, shoot your rhythm shots. Um, don't hesitate. Obviously, it's easier said than done just because, you know, when you're in it, you don't want to be missing shots. I mean, he doesn't try to miss. And a lot of shots he take, you know, are shots that he, he can make. He got to stay out of his own head. You know, he just got to continue to play and do the little things.
0: I, look, I actually agree. There's no way you can miss shots as badly as he misses, as long as he's played. Unless there is a there's a Rick Ankiel mental aspect to it. But I I just I don't know how it gets. You don't fix that in the middle of a championship run or a playoff run of the season. That's a take time away, go to a different franchise, or we really work. I, that that doesn't get fixed mid year, if ever. Sam Wilcox has joined us all season long, and of course, he joins us today on behalf of Macy. We'll get to what that is in a second, but uh, let, let's first get to the Super Bowl. You're a former Bengal and 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 a longtime NFL analyst. This franchise was awful two years ago, awful, awful, yeah. uh, to the to the level of um, two years ago. Their defense. Was arguably the worst in the history of the NFL statistically. Like, yes. 14, right? How have they gone from there? to the biggest game in American sports?
3: Um, multiple answers to that question. Obviously, Joe Burrow is the obvious question, or obvious answer, I should say. And then, obviously, Jamar Chase as well. Defensively, they've done it through free agency. Yeah, yeah. they drafted players like Luke Wilson at the linebacker position, Jermaine Pratt at the uh, linebacker position, and then Jesse Bates. But they've added Von Bell, Trey Hendrickson, um, as well as Shadobi Awuzy, and... Uh, uh, Larry Ogan, Joby, just to name a few. They made a trade um, uh, just after uh, Labor Day for B.J. Heel, brought him over from the New York Giants. And so they've been able to build the defense primarily through free agency and got lucky, of course, in the draft. When you get the first overall pick, you got to pray that that one special player is there when you use that first overall pick. And in 2020, he was there in the form of Joe Burrow. And as an
0: Ohio kid. Right. And, right? and he's, he's mobile, so when he's been under duress – He's been able to get out of the way. He takes it, licking, keeps on playing. That's right. Pretty amazing. Um, okay, um, uh, that—that's—that's that's interesting. What also? What happened to Pat Mahomes? I'm watching. <laughs> like, no, we're watching the no, game. And get, that's a good question. This guy's been the magic man. This yeah. guy's been able to just make plays and and carry the Chiefs to multiple Super Bowl appearances, four straight um, conference championship games, and yet he was very un-Pat Mahomes-like. What happened in that championship game? First
3: of all, Patrick Mahomes has been dealing with some of these things during the course of the season. Uh, If you're going to be a quarterback consistently playing at a high level in this league, you're going to have to continue to evolve because defensive coordinators are going to find out the things that you struggle with, and they're going to force you to do those things more often. And that was you've got to stay in the pocket, and you've got to be disciplined to deliver the ball from the pocket, not have it tipped at the line of scrimmage, not have your vision obstructed. And that's what you saw happen in the second half of that game? Cincinnati Bengals, they changed up their game plan to pass rush Patrick Mahomes, not necessarily to sack him, but to entrap him, right, yeah. in the pocket and force him to throw deep from the well. You know what happened on the very first possession of the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half? He was picked off by a defensive tackle. At point blank range at the line of scrimmage. I think that rattled Mahomes. And then later, in his very last pass of the game, it was also intercepted when trying to throw the ball deep from the pocket and forcing the ball into Tyreek Hill. That ball's tipped by Jesse Bates, intercepted by Von Bell. It put Joe Burrow on a short field in overtime.
0: Field goal later the Bengals out of there would have win. You make a great point about the first play of the second half. And remember the last play of the first half when they have five seconds left That's instead right. of throwing it away, mm-hmm. throwing it into the end zone, he throws it in the flat and they get tackled so they get, they get no points. That was a critical error in the game.
3: He really should have, for one, if it was a read option play. So that means you're reading the defensive end on the opposite side. All he had to do was hand the ball over to Jarek McKinnon. He walks in for a touchdown. But then say he pulled it, he should have threw it to the back of the end zone, right, right to oh, Travis what? Kelsey or out of bounds. Out of bounds. And the clock stopped. Then he kicked the kick a field goal. And and then get they kicked the a field goal. Which is what he was really instructed to do, by the way. Yeah. But he, for whatever reason, he wanted to do more than that. And quarterbacks tend to get themselves in trouble, even the great ones, if they try to do more than what the play is asking for. He throws it over to Tyreek Hill on the sideline who gets tackled inbounds halftime over. It's the only time they did not score on a possession during the first half. They had scored touchdowns on their first three possessions in that first
0: half. Solomon Wilcox joins us. He's for at post-career professional life, been an NFL analyst, you've seen him on TV, you've heard him on radio, It's kind enough to join us on behalf of Macy here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, live at Radio Row on Fox Sports Radio. We mentioned the Bengals. Marvin Lewis was our coach, and he had turned that franchise around from a yeah. dormant one mm-hmm. to five consecutive playoff appearances, but they couldn't win a playoff game. But yeah. everybody respects Marvin Lewis. And relevancy, football, right? yeah, yeah. Everybody res- respects him. That's right. Okay, so... Um, I, I I operate on the belief that I I think that in the NFL people just want to win. They don't care <laughs> if you're black or white. But a blind man can sit there and go like, man, there's like now there's three black coaches now with Levy Smith getting the job. Yeah. What do you think the NFL needs to do so there's a greater, uh, a larger pool of candidates that aren't just white guys?
3: Well, man, it's a, a very loaded question. And let's just say this: I went through a management training program. When I worked in the insurance industry, it's it was phenomenal. When I played, as a player, every year in the offseason, I worked in a real job. I went through management training. I remember going through HR training, and we talk about the importance of hiring people and how do you build good companies and good departments within those companies. And you need not only diversity in terms of culture, but diversity in thought. Yeah. If you and I and Dr. Cole uh, had the same thoughts, did the same things, and we're trying to solve a problem I would I would suspect that people would look at us and say, hey, you guys gotta break that up. You guys think too much alike. Yeah. That means you're missing something. There's a blind spot, right? And even we can't see it because we all sharing the same brain. We all know that there's an importance and diversity of thought, right, in terms of how we solve problems and how we even built this country. It was people coming from different places, doing things differently, and they bring different talents to the table that allowed our country to accelerate faster than any country that had preceded it in the whole of human history, but yet when we're running a football team, we still want guys that look like us, think like us, talk like us. It I, makes
0: no sense. I don't know if I. I I'm going <laughs> to push back. I'm going to push back. I'm, I'm going to push back on it from the, from this. Perspective. That's okay. okay? No, no, but, yeah. but you have, you know, you look at what Dan Campbell. That yeah. is that is a that is a different candidate than Mike McDaniel who just got the job, right? You or he, or
3: or um, you go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, he might be different in terms of how you see it take ownership looks like us talks like us this is it's a, it's the same prism it's sa- it's tribal in nature for instance what we have right now even with uh agents okay agents are telling owners not oh, gotta have my guy so you've got an agent who represents the general manager Thanks. he represents also the head coach sure. he also represents the coordinator Um, So is the agent doing what's best for the agent? All of his clients, okay, have the general manager job with that team, the head coaching job with that team, the coordinating job with the team. Is the the agent serving the owner? Is he serving the team and the town? Or is he serving himself? That's self-serving in and of itself. We can go back and take a look at the infrastructure of many of the teams and even many of the recent hires because we know there's a problem. You just asked me to help explain it. Yeah. That's what I'm trying no, to do. How do you, how do you fix it? Uh, you got you to you create a more diversified pool. You don't go to the agent. The agent should be able to come to the owner and say, look, You got to fire that guy because I need my guy to have that job as general manager. If you're going to hire him as a coach, then you got to have him as the general manager. As it turns out, the agent represents both the general manager, and so that that in and of itself is something that needs to be
0: changed because that's how we got to the results of where we are at right now. Okay, I I think it's like you know Ryan Poles gets a job in Chicago, right? Yeah. Uh And he'd been in Kansas City. Yeah. And he hires. At Brian Eberflus, and most people believe it's because, you know, the the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts came from Kansas City. There's that relationship there, right? So you hire a guy who you have a relationship with. Yeah. That's generally how it yeah. works in all businesses, though, isn't it? Uh, well, there bring there, Dr. there, are, oh, there are a lot of people who are hired every single day
3: that are outside of that social circle. We used to call it cronyism, nepotisms, and things of that nature, that those are the words that kind of describe that. Um, But we now know that you don't necessarily have to have had a relationship with that person or have known that person or have gone to church with that person or have served in the same fraternity with that person in order for it to be a good hire.
0: But, I would agree, but, there, but, there, but there, that, is a, that is a belief, though, that that it doesn't actually have to do with— That's how we got here, though, is what I'm trying to tell you. That's why we have the problem. Ryan Poles is black. You're, He's a former player. He, he hired a guy he knew he, he knew he liked and is well-regarded who worked for somebody else you, who swore by him. You, you That's ask how me, business works. You, you ask, I, I, I'm, not,
3: I'm not here to turn the world— Upside down no. or any? But you asked me. But, but you, you, you played. You covered it. Yeah.
0: So so what? Well, again, what would a, what would a? You asked me re- how do we fix it? Yes. What would a reasonable step
3: be? I, I've, that, I've pointed out to you. I've already pointed
0: out different things. But you, things you, but you of said, how we got here, and that's what you need to change. So how do you how do you get the wider pool? How do you get? people to hire outside of their their tribe. How do you do that? How do you if you're running the NFL or you're advising it's it's one thing to say hey, we need to do this, but is there a way in which you can actually artificially do it so that it so that it does look different than just a handful of black coaches yeah i i think obviously
3: you have to widen the pool and you have to widen uh the the process in which you're vetting that pool okay um and at the end of the day i think a lot of the teams that we see who are winning um let's let's take the pittsburgh steelers even though they you know they haven't won this year haven't won a championship in quite some time but you know, 15 straight years, haven't had a losing season. Sure. and you can. So we talk about the Rooney Rule, and that Rooney Rule isn't the reason why they are a successful team. They do have six Vince Lombardi trophies. No team has more, sure. right? And so they have a, a diverse way of going about doing things. Not just at the head coaching position or general manager position, but we're talking about scouting. We're talking about vetting um, coaches in terms of, of how we're going to build a team. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, is a really really good example i think the cincinnati Bengals did a really good job having marvin lewis there for 16 years right people don't realize how much marvin lewis helped change the that team from the infrastructure du- completely just like listen um duke tobin actually helped select players okay and, and duke tobin's not a minority But Duke Tobin, he is an example of the Bengals going outside of their structure that they had operated in for a very long time before Marvin Lewis, right? Because Mike Brown still has the title as general manager. But it's actually Duke that functions in that role sure. in terms of player evaluation, right, and uh, player acquisition. And so I'm just saying that that's, that's an example of a team going outside of its structure, right, and vetting and then hiring a the right person who came in to help change that team fundamentally. Look, like I just told you how the entire defense, most of it, it comes from free agency. Which is which is a very anti-Bengal right? way which of is doing it. That's exactly right. Anti-Bengals so sign their own guys. They don't and sign and them. Yes. That's new thinking. That's a new way of doing That's things. Point. That has netted wonderful
0: results. Um, you are here with Dr. Brian Cole, who's an orthopedic surgeon, on behalf of Macy. Okay, so so help me out, Dr. Cole. So this is Macy. It's a procedure that helps you generate regenerate your own cartilage.
2: That it, with yeah. your own cells? That's right, Doug. That's correct. You know, I wanted. To, can I just take ten seconds and comment no, on go. what you guys just talked about? So I'm sitting here quietly, shaking my head, looking at you with your socks. And I am from Chicago, so I'm <laughs> also right. one, of the, right. team, one right. of the team. One of the team docs for for the Sox. Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, no, Lovey, and I wish him great great success outside of Chicago. We we didn't do so great then when he was with us. All that things. Went thing to said, the Super Bowl? Yeah. Grossman. That's yeah, true. Right. That's, that's true. Right. That's true. Uh, but it was time. So listen, we have this term. I I like to use underrepresented in football, URF. You know, and we have the same. Problem as surgeons, okay? Mm -hmm. There are in medical school, I'm just going to give you a a microscopic example, get back on point. I don't want to use up all our time, but in medical school, it's 50% men, 50% women, okay? What do you think the percentage of surgeons are that are females? 20%. 6%, okay? The point is that it's a bottom-up approach, and if you ask them, you have to cultivate it from the bottom-up, and I think that's what Solomon was saying, but you can't do it without recognition, and that's a top-down approach. The top, the leadership has to say and be intentional about about making change, and then that nepotism goes away. You say, and this isn't about affirmative action. There are plenty of excellent, quality people that are of color or other, but they have to be recognized, and it has to be intentional, because all those pathways that Solomon just talked about, about identifying your friend, your neighbor, what have you, that is, that takes intent from ownership and leadership to make a difference. It's not going to happen passively. And it even personal. you That's just right. just got to do personal. it. Yeah. Anyway, these are, I'm sharing that with you because I'm, we deal with the same thing in my profession. We need to provide... Deal with a lot of our profession. Yeah. It exactly. our profession. It's right. every profession, yeah. but URF, underrepresented in football. Uh, Wonderful. Anyway, okay. I don't want to get off topic, no, it's but okay. I guess was okay. held so, to say something. So let, let,
0: let's, get, let's get to Macy. Yeah. Okay, so the idea of this procedure is, like, how many guys, especially ex-athletes, but even, you know, just normal, I call them civilian, civilian folk, right, <laughs> yeah. where you get older, and you're bone on bone, you have no cartilage Mm in your knees, right? Right. So this procedure helps you generate new cartilage with That's your right. own cells? So,
2: so, Doug, probably 12 million office visits a year come to us as with knee problems, and about half of those actually have cartilage problems. Cartilage is the white, glistening stuff at the end of your bones. You see it if you're eating a piece of chicken. It's what causes that smooth surface, right? Arthritis is loss of cartilage, when that stuff withers away. Sure. Now, Macy is a procedure that is designed to treat cartilage loss. Not typically for bone-on-bone arthritis, it's before it gets there. So you might argue that it could be preventative, but it's treating a group of people much like you who are otherwise active, they're in your age group, who have pain, swelling, can't do activities, but would never be a candidate for example, for a knee replacement, right? So we didn't have this. When I trained in my residency in the 1990s, there was no solution other than putting a camera and cleaning it out, much like we did with the NFL players, right? Or maybe we'd poke a couple holes in the bone, a procedure called microfracture, which worked maybe as a coin toss half the time, and if it did work, it would would be career ending at some point within three to five years, okay? This is a procedure, it's not just for NFL players, this is for the Active individual who has knee pain due to loss of cartilage, and it's not global loss; it's areas of loss. And we take cells. I would put a camera in your knee, take a small sample of cartilage, grow it in a laboratory, four to six weeks later, come back, put it in your knee, and cover those defects. Let that cultivate, mature, and so forth, almost like sod in a a, you know on a football field, right? And then six to nine months later, 75 to 85 percent of people are back. Generally speaking, doing all the activities they were doing before they had symptoms due to lost cartilage.
3: Using your own cells—that's the real key. yeah. don't have to find a match. They're using your own cells, growing the tissue, then reinserting it. It adheres to the bone, the existing tissue. Like you said, when you're laying sod, um, you have a full grass, but you have that little pothole, yeah. and you lay the sod no, you down a little there, spot where it, it adheres to everything. If you have a everything. female dog, the female dog That's pees, right. you know, it <laughs> burns your grass.
0: If you, have, if you
2: have the girl dog, they burn the grass, yeah, right? You're yeah. talking about replacing that little grad, grass area. And, yeah. How painful? Not because, not well, every surgery can be painful, but it's, it's outpatient procedures. The first one is done through two one-centimeter incisions. The second procedure to implant the cartilage to have it grow is through a small incision. These patients are generally off medications within a couple of days. They're taking Motrin or ibuprofen. They're up on crutches for a couple of weeks. By six weeks, they're on a bike. By three months, they're doing yoga, playing golf. By six months, they can be running. By nine months, hopefully, with a good outcome, as I said, 75 to 85% of the time, they can get back to sports. The procedure is called MACI. I M A C I. okay? If, how can I find out more about yeah, it? Yeah, thank you. So uh, best place to go, especially because, you know, look, you have a national show, www.macy.com. You can find physicians experienced in managing all orthopedic conditions, but specifically those related to cartilage injuries of the knee.
0: Awesome stuff. Doc, thanks so much for thanks, joining Doug. us. Also, thanks for hopping on this conversation. It was great. We didn't solve the world's problem, but we talked about we it. We
3: solved a lot of problems today, Doug. I can <laughs> tell you right now. <laughs> we saw <Louis laughs> Cox, former
0: Bengal, of course, uh, watching the, the Super Bowl and analyzing for us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Men, thank you so much. Check out the latest lines on world of sports, BetRiver's Sportsbook. BetRiver's is the trusted name in online sports betting. you got to be 21, present in Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call, 1-800-GAMBLER. How big a deal is it that a Pro Bowl turned into a two-hand touch bowl? Find out next.
1: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LaVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experience Experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports
0: Radio. Every day we like to play for you a portion of a previous show on FSR. We call it... And now... <laughs> What does the fox I say? A brought to you by Hustler Turf, the brand lawn care professionals have trusted for years when it comes to premium zero turn lawn mowers to run their business. And for us weekend shows, Hustler Turf has a full lineup of residential mowers. Visit HustlerTurf.com to find a dealer near you. HustlerTurf.com. Uh, earlier today, Dan Patrick said this about the Pro Bowl.
1: There was a moment where you go, wait a minute. The officials have to know that all you have to do is put two hands on somebody, and then they're blowing the whistle. Now they started out playing football. And then it sort of uh, devolved or morphed into two-hand touch there. I don't know what happened after the game, but I would like to have had an interview asking somebody like Max Crosby, hey, Max, when did it turn into two-hand touch? Because I don't know if this was both sides saying, hey, let's just play two-hand touch. Or if it was the officials had to be in on this. Because if not, then you're just putting your hands on them. They're not going to blow the whistle. And then they did blow the whistle on Mac Jones, and I thought, you know, this is, this is a real two-hand touch <laughs> with fully padded players. But if I'm one of those players, hey, I'll play in the Pro Bowl. Are you guaranteeing my contract? Because there is no reason to be out there if, you know, you could jeopardize. Max Crosby, I think, is a free agent next year, but I, I can't put him out there going, come on, guys. You played 18 games or 18 weeks, playoff games. Get out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand the Pro Bowl thing. Um, this, this marks the 40th anniversary of me never watching the Pro Bowl. And I continue to not watch it. I actually will look away. You know, I will look away from the Pro Bowl if I see it on a TV. But people do watch. I don't know any of them, but people do watch. And there are people that bet on the Pro Bowl. Those people, I guess, are upset over the two-hand touch today. To the rest of us, okay. If you tell me it was two-hand touch, I'll believe you. If you tell me they tackled everybody and went 100%, I believe you as well. I don't watch. I don't care. And I think most sports fans feel the same. Doug Gottlieb. Ah, What's up, the Fox Doug Gottlieb Show rolls on. Um, what will the Tennessee Titans do at quarterback? We discuss next on the Doug Gottlieb Show.